He gave mercy. He didn't hold people back. He didn't stand in their way. He made it simple. He said, here's the way. Let me show you. I'm going to read you something that says, uh, and it talks about God's grace and God's mercy. It says, when we were at our worst, Jesus was at his best. I mean, think about that. Think about when you got saved. What was going through your mind and your heart when you got saved? And uh, the world wants to tell you that, that once you do that, that, that's all, that everything's all over with. It's done. There's nothing else to do. But how many have had those bad times after that? How bad does it really get? How far do we get down? Is it a day? Is it a week? Is it a month? Is it a year? Is it four or five years? Is it a decade? But it says, when we were at our worst, Jesus was at his best. He says, when, he were, when we least deserved his grace, his grace was absolute most. Absolute most. While we had nothing to show him uh, to give us mercy, he took our nothing to show his mercy for us. I mean, think about it. We really have nothing to give. He doesn't give it all. And he gave it freely. Think about what it took for him to sit there and say, forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, we want to put everything, and we want to figure everything out. We want to put it in a mold, you know, with, with as smart as we've got in society. And we've made leaps and bounds on, on all kind of aspects, uh, man, uh, mentally and physically and, and medically. But why do we try to figure it out? Why don't we just leave it to God? Just leave it to him. Let him figure it out. He's got it. But again, it, it causes us a lot of uh, uh, grief down the road. It said, God gives us what we least deserve, which is called grace. What we least deserve and withholds what we deserve, called mercy. But we try to come up with all these fancy things and you know, and, and God did this, and God did that, and, and there's some truth in all of that. But at the end of the day, he doesn't give us what we deserve. I mean, is that not great? I mean, think about it. We do it in our own families. And then we criticize each other for what we do. And at the end of the day, it's between you and God in your heart as to what you're doing. But we criticize each other for trying to do what God's been doing for us the whole time. Do we not? I mean, it's easy. We just sit there and wait so we can jump out from behind the bush and say, ha ha, I caught you, or ha ha, you messed up, or ha ha. I mean, think about it. When a, when a fire truck goes down the road, or a police officer goes down the road, how many of us want to go get in our car and go see? Right? That's right. So how many of us want to go see? So do you want to go see because you want to help? I mean, think about it. How many of us been guilty of it? Did you go see because you wanted to help? Or did you, want to go, or did you go see because you wanted to see what misery somebody's involved in at that moment? I mean, think about it. That's what we're battling every day. And life is just that simple. I mean, me and Bradley was talking the other day, and we were talking about deer hunting. Of course, you know, it's deer season. That's all we talk about. 
you know, we solve all kinds of problems, but, you know, it always ends up at deer hunting. But is it not crazy the older we've gotten? That's what I told him. I said, you know, we've been hunting for, you know, I don't know, 30 or 40 years. But how we let vanity get in our hunting? You know, where we got to kill the biggest? Why we got to kill the biggest? I mean, are we hunting because we like it? Are we hunting because we, we enjoy it? Are we hunting because it, it helps us, uh, you know, find a place of peace in life? I mean, why do we have to, to kill one with the biggest wreck? And, you know, he made a statement. He goes, you know, it was, it was a whole lot more fun back in the day when we just wanted to kill a deer. We just killed one to eat. But it's amazing how we let the world and vanity get into our lives and muddle things up. And it's the same thing. We lose our purpose. I mean, all of us, when we come to this altar, we understand our purpose. We understand what God's, I mean, we touch God's hand at that point. And every day after that, the world and the devil's trying to pull us away. And we lose, we lose that touch. We lose that connection. We lose that feeling. Little by little, we're desensitized in everything we do to the point that it no longer bothers us. To the point that we see a cop go down the road or we see an ambulance or we see a fire truck. We go get in the car and we drive by and we're like, whoo, boy, I'm glad I wasn't in. Right? You all tired? So again, don't forget where God brought you from. Don't forget where God's going to carry you. But more importantly, don't forget to give somebody else that same chance. Don't get in the way of God's spirit this morning. Amen. All right. Good morning again. Thank you, Pat, for that. That was an awesome word this morning. Um, how many is excited to be here this morning? I know I am. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Like Daddy was saying earlier, it's Christmas time. Also, you got if it's Christmas time, that means you've got, what, three, three and a half weeks, four weeks left in this year? And this year's done. And, yeah, it, it does. It does seem to go by quicker and quicker all the time. I mean, it, who would have thought, I mean, already going into third year as pastor, that's just crazy to me to think about. I mean, it's, it's just wild, but it's great. And so I'm glad you're here this morning. Glad you came and, and decided to, uh, to come and worship and, and be with us and, and listen to the Word this morning. And so I believe you've been prayed over already. I know that numerous times. And so this Word's been prayed over. And so I believe that the word coming forth today will go out to hearts and lives that are ready to receive it and that you're going to receive it and you're going to go from here and do the word of God and live the word of God and let it grow in your life every day. So that's what we pray for and that's what we believe. And then we're just going to watch the fruit grow and y'all do it, right? All of us do it. Amen. Amen. Um, it wasn't just set. She got thanked earlier while she was in here, Wayne. You didn't get to take all the credit for this this time. But she did do a great job. Even, I know, Jamie and JJ and Miss Pat, I don't know who else, was decorating the tree Wednesday night. We thank you all for that. And Brad, Bradley did help. I forgot. Bradley. Yeah, he, we hung the Merry Christmas sign up, didn't we? 
That's right. That's right. And so, but Miss Pat was here yesterday, and Miss Brenda was here, and uh, Miss Kathy Henson was here, and they they worked for three or four hours. I tried to buy them lunch, and they're like, "No, we're about to leave." And then an hour later, they're still here doing stuff. But uh, it looks really good, really amazing. We thank y'all for that, all your hard work. Yeah. And I know Wednesday night there was a lot of hard work went on to start the uh, decorations for the float that'll be uh, that we're making. They're going Drew's one of his rollback trucks, and so I think they're going to be working on that this week because that's a week from Tuesday. We'll be um, um, riding in a parade on the 12th, so that'll be good. And I think they've they've changed the route, so it's a little longer now than what they originally said. I think we start at South Park, come all the way down, I don't know, and go all through town and end up at the school, I think. Um, I don't know. We ain't got that far, Drew. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, okay, well, I know the parade starts at 7, so, yeah, 4 or 5 o'clock, that work? You make that happen. Okay, that's good. <laughs> All right, appreciate it, thank you, thank you, and and so, remember, I, I don't know if it's in the bulletin, but if you want to buy sheets that we got for sale, the $40 a set, we're going to turn an order in on December 14th if you're getting them for Christmas or want them before then. So if not, then we can order after that. It's no big deal. But uh, remember, those are in the back. And, and um, see me or Gabby, we've got a sign-up sheet if you don't want to take a packet and do anything with it and just want some. And then also, I don't know how many of you have been back in the back room and saw what Gabby has done back there to transform that little area into a picture booth area. It looks really good. So she's done a great job with it. All I've done was put everything up. I just, she pointed and I said, okay. So, but no, she, she come up with everything and has done a wonderful job with it. So it looks really good. If you want pictures, family pictures, we've got two more days and Two more dates, and we can do it after that. It ain't no big deal because that will be up. Ariana's coming home on the 23rd, and I know she wants some Christmas pictures, so it will be up through Christmas. That's right. Yeah. Ariana and Trevor's coming home, so that's that's good. Um, but, all right, anything else? Did I miss anything? Okay. All right. Well, let's receive our offering. Amen? Yeah. It is wonderful to be able to obey the Word of God. And give as He's directed us to give. And do as He's directed us to do. And and that's why we do this. Not out of tradition. If you're doing it just out of tradition, then you need to go reassess why you're giving. Alright? You're not giving to me. You know, sure, I see the money. But we're giving as we're giving unto God. And and we do it, like I said, not out of tradition of religion. Because the Word says that God loves a cheerful giver. So, just as... You know, we're celebrating Christmas and as He gave us His only begotten Son and we know all that Jesus done for us and while He was on this earth and what He continues to do for us, then we are to obey and give back to Him. As, and that's not only with money, that's our life, that's every aspect of it. And so we get bogged down and, and people are like, oh, you know, that's my money. Because I've heard this for a long time and I know it's true. You start talking about people's money and finances in church, and a lot of times people just go, I'm going to turn that off. That's my money. I work for it. Well, God has blessed you to be able to work for that, right? 
So we need to give back to God for what He says and what He says in His Word. So, so anyway, that's my, you know, y'all know I don't get up here and preach on money or anything. I'm not going to, but that's what the Word of God says, all right? So that's why we do it. Um, so, so we pray this morning, pray for you that you can get out of this service today what you need, all right? Pray that, that, God, that the Spirit of God continues to move throughout this service and that, that people's hearts and lives are changed because that's what we're here for, right? Amen? All right, well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you again for this day and this time together, the time we've already had to come sing praises to your name because you are the only one worthy of all of our praise, and we give that to you. And, and Father, we just ask that you just come and, again, you move in our hearts and lives today, Holy Spirit, that you work and, and you bring forth and, and you show us areas that we need to change and we need to, we need to correct in our life and, and that we do those things that you convict us of. And, God, we can go out from here, the, um, the child of God that you've called us to be, the man and woman for God that you've told us to be. And we thank you for that, God. I ask you... Just to be with every need that's in here. Be with Lynn's family this morning as they're dealing with, with her father. And, and God, that you just touch and you move in that situation. And, and God, that you just bring comfort and peace to it right now in the name of Jesus. God, we ask that you, um, with, with our tithes and offerings this morning, you be with us time. God, we just do it in accordance to your word and what you said. And we believe, Father, we do your word that you're going to bless and you're going to keep blessing. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all come. All right, children, if there's any, y'all can go to Children's Church this morning. I know they got, they're back here. I think Daddy's back here with Hallie last week and this week. And I don't know, through, they're, they're making crafts. My dad is, um, he's going to be on Pinterest one day, I'm sure, the way he's crafting. <laughs> he's talking about it. I don't doubt it. I can see him setting up YouTube and he, he'll get on YouTube in a second. Well, he would get on Facebook Live when he was pastor and talk. He don't, so he don't mind being in front of a camera, in front of an audience, but that's fine. Whatever, whatever keeps him busy. And so, all right. Well, we are moving on in the book of Mark, all right? We're in part nine of the book of Mark, um, but we're not in chapter nine. We're going to go on, I think last week, or a couple of weeks ago, we ended up in chapter six. But reading these past couple of weeks, um, I want to move on to chapter 10 today, Mark chapter 10. And so J.J. preached last week. I'm, I know he's not here, but um, I want to thank him for that and, and bringing the word that God gave him and that we have to know and have it sure in our life that we know that whatever we're going through, good, bad, ugly, whatever, we count it all joy, right? Count it all joy. And that's what he talked about last week. And, and so I want to thank him for that, for bringing that word, because I know I've, I've, I've used it in my life this week. I've used it in areas to where... Things weren't going right. Hey, hey, quit looking at everything right in front of you and count it all joy, no matter what, because we can see God work through our lives and through these things if we give our bad times to Him, right? Just like we do our good times. 
So let's let's uh, remember that. There's several things that happen between Mark 6 and Mark 10. I'm not going to go through them. Um, but if you want to know, go read chapter 7, 8, and 9 yourself and study it out. And and so, but in chapter 10, and I'm going to start in the first chapter, but our main text this morning is verse 35, where I wanted to get to. Because, you know, I know it's Christmas time, and this time of year when preachers or pastors get up and preach, oh, we got to tie something into Christmas. They, we think we got to tie everything into what's going on. And sure, that's, that's great that we do that. But, you know, it don't have to be traditional all the time with tie-in, does it? But we're, we're going to have also on the, on the Christmas Eve, we will have church on, de, on December 24th. If you can be here, we're going to have a candlelight service that morning. So it won't be just traditional me get up here and preach. We're going to have songs and, and um, a time of word and, and reading over Christ's birth and then... Um, um, end it with glory and honor to Jesus as he deserves and in that candlelight service. So it'll be a good time that morning. So y'all come on then. Um, but in verse 35, let me just read this main text and then we'll get back to others. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. All right, that's our main verse this morning. So that ties in with Christmas time because kids these days and when we were kids, I want whatever I want put on this list and I want it now, right? And so, so we grow up in adult life the same way. But in the first of the chapter, and I'm not preaching on divorce today, I'm not, okay? Because divorce affects a lot of people. It has affected and has affected and still affects a lot of people in, in, the, in our world today. There's the, in, in this room, but there is forgiveness and hope through that, all right? But I just want to read over, because it's, this is one of those areas that you don't like to talk about in church, right? You don't like to think about. Why? Because it hits home to a lot of people, just like people start talking about money. They don't want to talk about my money. Well, I don't want to talk about what I've gone through either. I don't want to talk about divorce. I don't want to talk about those things. And as a pastor, it ain't just one of those things, hey, I'm going to preach on that today because everybody needs to hear it. No. Why? I would rather preach on stuff that are easy a lot of times because it gets y'all more involved instead of turning away and getting mad or whatever. And I know because I've sat there and listened to it and things that I've dealt with in my life that's been up here preached, I didn't want to hear it most of the time. So... But in verse, you know, we know in the first six chapter that the Pharisees come to Jesus and they ask him about divorce. So in Mark chapter 10 and verse 6, Jesus comes back with this, okay? And this is not the gist of the sermon today, but I want to read over this because we need to understand how important it is that we don't get a pattern in, this, in, our, in our life in this area, right? We don't, we don't just... As the world has done away with the sanctity of marriage, it's, it's no longer there as it should be. Because the world will tell us we can be with whoever we want, whenever we want, however we want, and it doesn't matter. Just as we say, we've made it easy to get divorced, we've made it, e or e we've made it even easier to get married. I don't have to sign 
And we've and I'm because I've preached on this before last this year, last year, whatever. I don't have to sign a document saying a certificate of marriage that's saying somebody's married. I don't have to do nothing with it. I don't even have to perform a ceremony. They go get papers notarized. That's it. They're legally married. But you know, and, and the world has twisted this to where same sex can be married to each other. It doesn't matter. Um, and, and that's why the state of Alabama does it, so they ain't got to worry about declining at the courthouse homosexuality. It's like, well, we'll just make it where you notarize it, then we're, we've washed our hands of it. We're not, we're not responsible for it. But actually, the reality, they are because they've made it legal. So, and us as a church, as a body of Christ, we've grown kind of silent to it and just accepted it, just like the sanctity of marriage. You know, it's, it's not there in the church, just as it's not there in the world. And you say, well, I've been through this, and I'm not trying to drum all that up. I've done this, and, you know, this happened and this happened. This is what Jesus said about divorce, okay? I can't help the letters in red. I can't change them. I can't highlight them with black and say that, they, hey, that ain't Jesus. It's black letters. No, Jesus still said it, all right? So, so that's, that's where we're at today, and that's what we're going to talk about just for a minute. In verse 6, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Male and female. There's no, we, they can debate that all they want to till the cows come home. There's only male and female. Not if Bo thinks he's a woman, he's a woman. He's not. I'm joking. And so just as a woman thinks she's a man, she's not. She's not at all. It doesn't work that way. It's never worked that way. The plumbing is the plumbing, right? Everybody understand that? There's no, you can have, and, and you know, they can, they can have surgeries to change their plumbing, but it doesn't change their chromosomes, does it? You're either X or Y, XX, YY, XY, YY, whatever, it doesn't matter. You're still that. You're still what God made you, no matter what you try to do to yourself. You still have that in your body, and it doesn't matter. Because he made them male and female. And I love how that the translator put that, well, in verse 6. And my, and my Bible is in all in caps. I don't know if y'all's is. My, my new King James Version, it has said, God made, made them male and females all capitalized. I love that. It didn't show it up there. But for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. So a man shall leave his home and join to his wife. We know that. That's simple. All right. The two shall become one flesh, so then they are no longer two but one flesh. And we know what makes that. It's the act of marriage, yes, but we know what makes them one flesh. All right. We're all adults out here, and we should know what happens there. But therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Let no man separate. So a man shall leave his father and mother and marry his wife, and they shall be one. And through that, Jesus is saying, hey, they are married. They have come together in me and are married. So who are we to come in between that? Right? Who are we? You say, well, I've been divorced. There's forgiveness through divorce. That's not what I want to talk about today is divorce. You're not bad because you've got a divorce, okay? You, you're not 
evil. God's not judging you now because you've got a divorce and you can't get forgiveness. The only way you can't get forgiveness is what the Word of God says. And, and let, me, let me just turn over. This ain't part of the text today, but in Mark eleven twenty three and 24, we know what that is. But in verse 25, and whenever you stand, Mark eleven twenty five, and it's not in the notes. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Forgive him. Or forgive them. Forgive male or female, whatever, man or woman. So, mo- what happens most of the time when people get divorced? They stay mad at each other for so many years, and there's no forgiveness there, is there? No. Well, I can't forgive him for what he done to me. That's not what the Word of God says. If you're a child of God, then what they've done to you, you should still be able to forgive them for it. Because what they've done to you is nothing compared to what they've done to Jesus while he was here. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they're not what they do. And if we want to go any further, then the only, the only way a man and woman should biblically get divorced is infidelity and marriage between one or the other. Right? Or one of them dies. Sorry, that, that's, that's what the Word of God says. We can make up all the excuses we want to. We can do all the other things we want to. But we can't get past the Word of God. Because in the finish this verse, it says, Forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. That's, that's hard for us to deal with. I know people personally that have been divorced for 20, 30 years that still hate to be in the same room together because they can't forgive each other and won't. And wonder why they can't get in the relationship with God they need to because they won't truly forgive as they need to forgive and won't do those things to get them out of the way. It's not easy to forgive. We all know that. If, if, you, if you've been divorced and you've been through that, you know you hold, uh, if, you, if, you, if you're still living in this area, you hold a certain animosity or hatred or dislike toward that other person for what they said, what they've done, how they treated you, whatever it may be. You hold that. But if we're going to be the, word, the children of God that He's called us to and say, God's my Father, He's forgiven me of all my sins, but I'm going to hold East against these others, then that makes us hypocrites. So, y'all still love me? Everybody in here? All right. Making sure. Because trust me, as I'm reading this this past couple of weeks, um, I even asked God at one point, are you sure you want me to go to chapter 10? There's a lot of stuff that happened before chapter 10. And this is what was I felt the Spirit of God impress on me, okay? So we can receive it, we can do with it what we want to, but it's the Word of God, all right? There's nothing we can do to change that. So divorce is not the unpardonable sin, we know that. But there's forgiveness there, but we have to be willing to forgive those other people. We have to be willing to accept forgiveness from the other person. We have to be willing to go to God and say, God, I was wrong in this. Forgive me. How can I make it right? And, and so in today's time, what's, what's right? Well, right would be reconciliation if we want to know what right would be. Okay? And y'all can look at me strange if you want to. But you went into that first marriage. So, so I can't, the, the right thing to do would be to go back and you reconcile and join in that first marriage, okay? That's right. Right. Because you reconciled. 
Now, there's different areas to where you can say, well, we wasn't saved. Well, that, that brings in a whole different equation, all right? Anyway, but, you know, now people's be married, it's all these things, and you can't just go back and do that. But so what do you do? You ask for forgiveness, and you forgive that other person, and you move on from it, and quit holding the resentment, the hatred, the animosity, whatever it is in between you two, and go and, and do, be done with it. Why? So your God in heaven can forgive you your sins also. All right. Did that make any sense at all? All right. I don't see no head shaking, no. I, I was asked about this a couple weeks ago. I said, look, we preach that God, that, that marriage is between one man and one woman. Okay, we preach that. And if you've been here and you've heard my dad up here preaching, or you've heard me the past couple of years, I have not shied away from that. We preach the Word of God. And I told this person, I said, you know, and it's not easy for me to do because I know it affects so many lives that are in here. And it's not just here, it's every church that's represented throughout the body of Christ today. It's represented there because we used to say, oh, that the world has so big a divorce rate than the church. Well, now you can't say that. Because we we went into this way of, well, you know, if I don't like it, then, then I won't do it no more. We'll just go find something else. And that's not how we should live our life. That's not the mindset we should be in. So, we get married, we need to think about it. Young people, for you that have not married and are going to get married, make sure that that one you're going to marry and that mindset that you're going to be with them the rest of your life. Okay? That that's who God wants you to be with. There's... There's so many areas that we can get caught up in in young love. And I remember praying. I was almost engaged to a girl before me and Gabby ever started dating. And I would pray, hey, God, this is the one. This is the one. And knowing, I, I never felt, so I don't know if, if people say, I've never heard God talk to me. Well, God's never talked, talked to me, okay? I can sense God. I can read His Word. I can know. But when I know it's of God, it's almost like a, a silky smooth feeling. Does that make sense? You know it's God. And every time I pray that about this girl, and you know I was 17, 18 years old, every time I'd pray that, it would be like, and I could feel it inside that it wasn't, it wasn't right. I wanted to make it right. And that's what we fall into. Why? Because we want what we want. Go back to our main text. James and John. They come to Jesus. In Matthew, it says the mother of James and John come to Jesus and said, I want you to do for me whatever I want. Whatever I want. So let's go to verse 35. That's, that's his first part of this chapter, okay? All right? We're not, we're not preaching on divorce today, but I want that out there to people to understand and know that what we choose to do and make excuses for in our own lives, it's an area of disobedience. And disobedience is nothing but pride built up in our life because we don't want to change it. And so if you're dealing with those things in your life, if, you're, if things are where they not need to be, in whatever area you're going into, then you need to go back and say, God, Holy Spirit, show me these areas of my life that I need to change. And you need to be willing to change them. Why? Because... So we can get to where we need to be in our relationship with God. So we can work on those things. So we can, we can say, hey, Jesus 
is my God. God is my Father, and I want to do whatever the Word of God tells me to do to be where I need to be. We could be like James and John. Well, they went to Jesus right here. Do for me whatever you want. Whatever I want, not whatever you want. He says, whatever we ask, whatever we ask, that would be great to go to God. And we do a lot of times in our own life. We're going through things. We don't want them there. Hey, God, I need you to do this for me now. We've talked about it before. It's that genie in the bottle. We just we want to go to God in our, in our own little time and, and rub on that lamp. And then he come out and we say, hey, 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 I want my three wishes right now. I want everything right now. It doesn't work that way. That sounded almost super spiritual what they done. Hey, we want you to do for us whatever we want. Whatever we ask. And, and so Jesus like, well, all right. Is that really what you want? Because he, he, he even says that he comes back with, in verse 37, he comes back and says, um, let me get to chapter 10 and not 9. He says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do? What is it? What, what can I do for you? And that's, why we've, that's how we base our relationship a lot of time with Jesus. Hey, I want you to do this for me. But in Jesus, we, we expect him to come back and say, right, whatever you want there, Bubba. You just let me know and I will make sure that that's done. That's, that's how we feel in our relationship. And, and, you know, if we don't watch it, and I'm not, all right, there's no children out here, right? Nobody in here is, uh, if, if I say something about Santa Claus, they're going to get mad, right? Okay, everybody good? You all right, Aiden? Uh, I didn't know. Just making sure. I'm not preaching against Santa Claus this morning. Cole, if you're, okay. <laughs> I'm not preaching against Santa Claus. But, you know, what do we teach our children? To write a list out. Send it in. It's all cute. It is. Tanner done it the other day. He he put a he wrote a note out. He wants an unsinkable uh, Titanic speedboat. Ain't that what he said? I didn't know Titanic was a speedboat, but he is all about some Titanic and can tell you about everything about it. Watches it on YouTube, and yeah, it's all he wants to sink ships. Everything we get has got to float. Hey, let's see if that'll float. It won't float, buddy. It's too it's too heavy. How do you know? I was like, cause anyway. So yeah, that's what he wanted. And, and you know, he went over there to the town hall and put it in the little mailbox for him to mail off. And that's great. To a point. Alright, to a point. So what do we what do we tell our children when they do that? You better be good. You better be good. If you're not good, what 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 have we always told them? You're gonna get colds. If you're not good enough, then you're not going to get what you asked for. How does that equate to when we get into adult life and we make Jesus Lord of our life? If we don't watch it, we can have that same mindset with God. Oh, well, I want these things, but I don't know that I'm good enough. You're not good enough. You're not. And then we, we, the devil used that to trick our minds and say, well, you're not good enough, so he's not going to do anything for you. So in essence, we're getting coals. Because we don't think we're good enough. And without Jesus, we're not good enough. But with Jesus, we're good enough. And God's not ever going to give us coals over here because we've done something bad. He's not over here waiting with this pile of coals and going to put us on the naughty list because we've done something wrong. 
No, he said, no, your name now is written in the Lamb's book of life. It can never be taken from that unless you yourself despise God and go completely away. And he's going to take it over here and put it somewhere else. It doesn't say that in the Bible, does it? But we teach every, we teach our kids that from a young age. We teach those things. And, and if we don't watch it, that can carry over to adult life. And that's our mindset. And I've said this before. I may have said this before. Hunting. Pat talked about hunting this morning. In, in the past. It would even go so far in my own mind. And I was never taught Santa Claus when I was young. I knew it, but we never practiced it or anything. And, and so sitting there not seeing a deer all day, I was like, well, I guess I should have, I guess I should have lived better this week. Maybe I saw one. How stupid is that? <laughs> but that's some of the thoughts and tricks that the devil puts in your head, even while you're out there hunting. Well, I read the Bible while I was up there hunting. Man, I should have saw something today. That ain't got nothing to do with nothing. 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 But the thoughts that the devil tries to put through every person's head about anything that they're going through, anything wrong, anything going on in their life, can be the simplest thing. can get blown out of proportion to where we, we think, again, we're not good enough. We're not good enough. Well, God, I ask you, I ask you, why, why ain't it done? I've asked you, just like James and John. Right, we want you to do whatever we ask. God, I ask you, where's it at? I've asked you, why, why, why is my children not here? Why is my life not here? Why is this not this? Why? 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 Then we question everything. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? I've asked you not to. I've asked you to. And, and so we don't fully understand what we're doing. We're taking it back to... Hey, we should ask and He should do, or we should not ask and He should not do. That's not how the Word of God works. That's not how a relationship with Him should be. But we make it that because, again, we're in this spoilt society to where we want what we want when we ask for it. We want it now. We want it at our fingertips. And we don't want to wait for it. We don't want to suffer for it. We don't want to suffer through it. We don't want to suffer around it. We want it now. We don't want anything else but what we want. I wish it was that simple. But life is not. Life is not that simple. I want what I want, and I want it now. And that's what they said. And so he said, what do you want me to do for you? And so they went. They went to an area, and I believe this is an area of pride. They had just saw and heard Jesus talk to the rich ruler. I've got that up there, Cole. Let's look back just a few verses to the rich young ruler when he come to Jesus. <clears throat> I think it starts at 19, but I'm going to read 17 and 18. It says, now as, G, now as he, Jesus, was going out, one came running and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what should I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good. No one is no one, no one is good but one that is God. Verse 19, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not, do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Do not honor, or honor your father and your mother. We could, everybody in here pretty much could raise our hand and say, well, I do all those. I don't steal. I ain't killed nobody. I don't steal. I, I try to honor my father and mother. 
you know, I've done all these things. So we're, we're right here. We're here with the rich young ruler, right? We're here. And, and so Jesus, and so James and John is hearing all this. And I'm sure this is just my thought process reading this and tying this together. Was there sitting back is like, I've done all that too. I'm good because Jesus is, and goes further and tells him, he says, then he answered him and said, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, one thing you lack. And this is a lot of our lacking in our own physical life. Go your way, sell whatever you have, give all to the poor, and, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come take up your cross and follow me. That's where a lot of us go, just like this guy did. Let me hold up a second. They pull back on those reins. It's still about me. It's still what I want, remember? And James and John's hearing this saying, we've done all that. We're even following you literally everywhere you go. So we're good. We're good. This guy thought he was good with all the things that he's done right in his life. All the things that he's done he said was good. I've kept all these commandments. I've done all these things. Except the one that really matters. Selling everything of ourself, of our life, and be in full service for God for whatever He asks for. That one's a hard one. We don't want to do that. Why? Because again, we want what we want, and we want it now, and we don't want to do anything else about it but what we want. And so that's what this guy was saying. Because then he goes on to say, but he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He didn't want to actually do it. He wanted to look good. He wanted to be churchy. He wanted to come to church, put a smile on. Look, look at me, you know. And, and then not really do anything. When we go out from here, what do we do? Do we, do we sell everything? Do we sell all of ourself? And, and God's not wanting you to be poor. is not what He's saying. But He's wanting you to be able and willing and ready at whatever he says to say, I don't need this anymore in my life. I can do without this. Let's go give it to somebody who really needs it. Let's, let's do what God tells us to do and serve in every aspect. So, anyway, James and John, let's go back to his. He said, you don't, he said in verse 38, he says, you do not know what you ask. You, you really don't understand what, you, what you're asking me to do. Because he says, in verse 37, sorry, I forgot this. He said, grant that we may sit one at your right hand and the other at your left and in your glory. We want to be on the throne with you, with God, sitting right there with you. If that ain't some Satan prideful stuff, I don't know what is. What does Satan want? He wanted to be above God. He wanted to take over the throne. He wanted to be there. What does James and John want to do? They want to be up there worship just like God. Why? Because... They, again, we've talked about this a while back. They couldn't get past that the kingdom of God was not a physical kingdom. They wanted God to come down, Jesus to be on the throne, and, and then rule over all the world is what they were thinking in their mind. So they wanted to get in first. They wanted to be, hey, we're going, we need to ask this before anybody else does. We need to make sure that they know. Just like when, when we, want, we go talk to our boss. Everybody done that? You ever talk to your boss say, hey, you know, I know we've got this position coming up. I feel like I should, I should be in this position. And you want to make sure you do it. 
before anybody else does. You always do it in private. You don't want nobody else to hear you. And there's nothing wrong with that in, in this world society we live in today. But what they were doing was just an eternal thing. They wanted to be up here. And they wanted to lord over everybody else. And so Satan never missed the opportunity to bring thoughts into those disciples' minds just like he does us. He never missed those times, never missed those opportunities. And, and so he goes on to say, he says, you don't know what you ask. You do not know what you ask. You are able to drink. Are you, are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They didn't know what really they wanted. They thought they did. He says, he, that, and of course they said, this is where the spiritual stuff comes in. We are able. We are able to do whatever you want us to do. Just like the rich young ruler. He, he, they thought they were able to do it. They thought they were able to do those things, but they really wasn't. And, and so, he says, he's still trying to do the things today. Is we are able. We are able to do those things. We are able. How many right now would be ready, willing, and able to go and live the life that Jesus lived? You say, well, I, what, I don't, I just, I don't, I got to wear sandals all the time? Yeah, if that's what you think Jesus done and slept outside all the time, then you're highly mistaken. You're highly wrong. Are we able really to go live the life that Jesus lived? Forsake everything else. Forsake this world. Forsake all of our ties, all of our whatever it is, and be fully devoted to God because that's what He's telling them. That's what He's telling them. He said, look, he, just, he had just got through telling of His death and His persecution that He was going to come into in Jerusalem. He had just got done with that. And they still wanted to ask this question. And they still wouldn't understand because Jesus knew their hearts. He knew what they were wanting. They wanted to be on this mighty platform. Just like you see it in churches today, you know, where they got to, and, and, and in the world, we got to have titles for everything. We got to have this, we got to have that. And, and, you know, if I don't have a title, if I don't have this, and it, you don't see it here as much at all, really. But in bigger churches and other churches, there is. You got to have, well, I'm, I'm this and I'm that. No, there's no titles in the body of Christ, okay? We're just all part of the body of Christ. And, and so they wanted to be on the throne. They wanted to be up to where people could see them and say, look how good they are. Look how good that they've, got, they've done it. They got what they asked for. And the, eventually, and Jesus tells them this in verse 40. Oh, sorry. Verse 39. He said, after they said, we are able, so Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. They didn't understand that they were going to die and suffer and be persecuted for what they preached. And every one of them did. Every one of them did. And so, you know, we really do, we really want this. How bad do you really want to be in relationship with Jesus? Are you willing to die for it? Are you willing to put everything on the line and forsake everything else to be who God's called you to be? And that's, the, that's where our mindset's got to be. You say, well, they're not persecuting us. Not yet. Not in America. There are in other parts of the world. They're persecuting them for believing in Jesus. You don't think it'll come here? I mean, we look around. There's, there's more evil in this world in America right now than it seems like it's ever been. Why? Because there's more people to do evil. And there's more tricks and more schemes that, 
that people can do evil with. June told me this morning she, some things she was going through. And she said, I didn't realize that the devil used children. I said, sweetie, the devil will use anybody he can. Children, adults, it doesn't matter. He will use those. Why? Because he wants all of us to be destroyed in this life. If we believe in Jesus or not, he wants you to be destroyed. He says, I, Jesus said in, in John, he said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly, right? But we know that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what he wants for your life. How do we combat that? Knowing who Jesus is in our life and speaking that word. Just like I told her, you have the power and authority in your life to speak the name of Jesus. To say to those things that are bothering you, in the name of Jesus, I tell you to leave me alone. In the name of Jesus, I, I command you to go for me, and I put you under my feet. She's eight years old. She can still do that. Why? Because she knows that Jesus is the Lord of her life. There's adults that don't do that. That live with all kinds of thoughts and all kinds of things in their life because they're too scared to speak against it. They're too afraid to say against it and to speak to those thoughts in their minds and all the anxieties and depression and say, no, in the name of Jesus, I'm a child of God. I don't have to deal with this. I don't have to put up with this. Why? Because the Word of God tells me that I'm above only, that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed coming out, right? He, we, we know those things, but we're too afraid to speak it. Why? Because we don't think we're good enough. It goes back to that. We don't think we really have a right when we do. And we've got to rise up and know that we, we have that right to speak the Word of God through whatever is going on in our life. Jesus goes on to say, He says, But to sit at my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but is for those whom it is prepared. And, and when the ten heard it, of course, the other ten, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. Of course, we can all imagine that. Just like if we're at work or whatever, and we know somebody said something, and they're like, what are they doing? It's just another area to where the devil was trying to work and tear the disciples apart, just as he continues to tear the body of Christ apart. Through whatever means he can. Family, personal self, thoughts, emotions, whatever it is, he's going to do whatever he can to tear it apart. Tear your life apart, tear the body of Christ apart as much as he can, to where we are not focusing on Jesus and what he's done for us. We want these other things to be prideful in our life and to be seen out front instead of Jesus being seen foremost as he needs to be. So, back to uh, this, this, this time of Christmas. Sure, we want what we want. And there's, there's nothing wrong. I love buying Christmas presents for my children and our grandchild. I love doing that. There's nothing wrong with that. But we get called up in, it's got to be the perfect gift, right? Well, what are we going to get them? What are we going to do? What, what is this? What is that? And we do everything possible to make them happy so they can get what they've asked for. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with getting a child what he asked for. But how far do we go with it? How far do we take it? Where does it lead to? All those things have to come into, in, into our thought process. And instead of, and then it gets off of where. We're not seeing the one that came to shed his blood for our sins. And all we're seeing is, all we're showing 
and all we're portraying around our home, on our life, is not Jesus, but a, a fat man in a red suit. Which can't do nothing for us eternally. Sure, he, we, it's fun to watch. But he cannot, that man did not die for our sins. That man didn't do anything. Okay? So it's just a mythical tr- creature or person that we talk about. But yet we put more emphasis on that than we do Jesus and him coming as he did and being born of that virgin birth. You know, I've seen it around, and I love the Grinch, and I think our theme for uh, our float is how the Grinch met Jesus, how the Grinch met Jesus, which is great. I love that. I watch the Grinch every year. I like it. It's a good movie. Nothing wrong with it. But I see, and, you know, I've even thought about getting it, but I can't get past instead of Merry Christmas, the thing now is Merry Grinchmas. Like, Really? So we're doing everything we can to take Christ out of Christmas even more. No, it's just cute. It, it is, but why, why, why do we got to do it? Why do we got to take Christ out of what we celebrate? Why do we got to do those things? Why? Because the world doesn't want Christ in there. He wants to commercialize everything but Jesus. Why? Because they know, they, under, they, they don't understand, but they know that, that this book is still the best-selling book out there, right? It still sold the most, most copies of any other book, and it's still selling today. Why? So there's something that's got to be right about it. There's something that's got to be true about it. But Jesus, and, and we've got to get to this point to where it wasn't about Him, and He's trying to make them where it's not about you. Christmas should not be about you. It's about Him because He started this life, and He, and he, and he ended it as a servant, didn't He? And so we've got to come to that point in our life where it's not about us, and, and it's not about the presence. It's not about all these other things. It's about Jesus. And we've got to teach our children it's not about those things. Those things are fun and nice and it's great to do. And it's good for families to come together and do that. But it's about Jesus. And that's why we do it. That's why we celebrate it. Because Jesus, even though He's a King of kings and Lord of lords, right? He's the one that died for us. It shed that blood that started right there in a the manger as a man on this earth. Yet, He says right here, He ends with this. In verse 42, But Jesus called them to Himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord, lord it over them, and the great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever desires to be first shall be slave of all. Listen to this. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, He's talking about Himself, did not come to be served, but to serve for, and to give His life as a ransom for many. So it's not about how big we are, how big our church is, how, what position you have in the body of Christ. It's about what Pat talked this morning, about things we do in this community and for others. It's about serving. It's about serving. It's about giving of ourselves and giving everything we can for, the, for what Jesus has done for us and, and serving others as He served. Serving others. Being willing to give of ourselves, our time, our, our money, whatever it is, to help others. And, and time is a thing that we don't want to give up a lot of times because we seem like we don't have a lot of it, do we? And, and so, you know, you don't, when people need help, Different things, whatever. What's the first thing that comes to most of our mind? Well, I don't have time right now. I don't have time. 
Jesus made time, didn't he? We've got to make sure we make time in our life to help others and to serve others as Jesus did, whatever the calling may be. So, so don't get caught up in everything that's going on around commercialized around Christmas. Watch the Grinch. Watch whatever. Watch Santa Claus. Watch, you know, one, two, three, and four. I think I got four of them now. I don't know. Whatever with Tim Allen. Watch all of them. I don't care. I watch them too. But don't get the focus off of why we celebrate this time of year. And it's because of Jesus. It's because of Him. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand this morning. Jesus, He started, we know, right there in the manger, but He ended down on the cross. And He says in, in Mark, I'm sorry, in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, Says, so, but the Son of Man has come to seek and save those who are lost. That was his whole ministry on this earth. That's why you're here today. That's why you said Jesus, Lord of your life, but he's still was seeking and saving those that are lost. He's still doing that. How's he doing that now? He's not here. That's what the Holy Spirit for. It's to convict us of all of our sins. Is is to show us where we're wrong in our life and how we need to change. And so what Jesus started has not stopped. He said, I must go that the Holy Spirit come and he's here. And when we ask this Jesus come into our heart, that Spirit comes inside of us and we know that He's Lord of our life, that, that He's forgiven us of our sins. And, and then we can start in this area in our life that we need to work on, we need to change, we need, and, and He'll show us those things. But we've got to start with the, most, the first one. And that's, hey, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that if I died today and left this earth, I would die and go to hell. And I need forgiveness of that in my life. And that's where we need to start. Because as he said before that he's talking to Nicodemus, he said, today salvation has come to this house. And that's why I say uh, every week, today is the day of salvation. Why keep putting it off? Why wait? Why, why keep holding on to areas in your life to where you know it's going to lead to destruction? Today is the day of salvation. So as music plays this morning, ask the Holy Spirit right now. Ask God to show you in your life we 